ARPA acknowledges the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and the continuing connection to lands, waters and communities. We pay our respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and elders past, present and emerging. Welcome to Taking Care, a podcast of APRA and the National Boards. I'm Tash Miles. You've just heard me acknowledge the traditional owners of country. It's how we begin every episode. And today, the whole episode serves as a kind of acknowledgement. It's a special, I suppose, bonus episode recording of an event hosted by APRA in January. In anticipation of the 26th January public holiday this year, APRA CEO Martin Fletcher hosted an acknowledgement event for APRA staff and national board members, where guests discuss what this day means to them and what and why it's important to know about Invasion Day, Survival Day or Australia Day. Our generous guests also share some of their own experience and we won't keep you from them any longer. Let's go to a conversation between Associate Professor Shannon Springer, an Aboriginal GP and Associate Professor at the School of Medicine at Griffith University, Associate Professor Kylie Williams, who's Chair of the Podiatry Board of Australia, and Ms Jodie Sizer, who's the co-CEO of PricewaterhouseCoopers Indigenous Consulting, or PIC, and they're being introduced right now by Martin Fletcher. I'd like to really warmly welcome everyone to our first ever acknowledgement event at APRA. I'll start by acknowledging the traditional custodians, the land I'm meeting on today, the Gadigal peoples, and the countries upon which all of you are connecting in from today. I extend my gratitude to the cultural authority and expertise of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples at this event, including staff and our wonderful guest speakers. At APRA, as many of you know, we're committed to embedding cultural safety in the health system and in how we work with boards and accreditation authorities as a national regulatory scheme. In making these commitments, we recognise that the 26th of January is not a date for celebration for many Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. For many, it's considered a day of mourning, an invasion day. It's a date that marks the beginning of deliberate, systemic and catastrophic racism and violence against Indigenous peoples. For others, it's also a day to mark the survival of ongoing traditions and culture It's important to recognise more than 60,000 years of Indigenous history and culture and acknowledge the significant and ongoing impacts of colonisation. We also want to acknowledge Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander achievements and ongoing connections to cultures, languages and knowledge. At APRA, we want the 26th of January to be an opportunity to reflect on our history and deepen dialogue and engagement with Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander communities. I'd now like to introduce you to our three guest speakers. Professor Shannon Springer is an Aboriginal and South Sea Islander GP and was most recently the Vice President of the Australian Indigenous Doctors Association. He's currently based at Griffith University with the School of Medicine and was previously the Academic Lead of Indigenous Health at Bond University on the Gold Coast. He's one of the first two Indigenous graduates in the inaugural James Cook University Medical Cohort. Our second speaker will be Professor Kylie Williams, who's the chair of the Podiatry Board of Australia. Kylie is a professor at Monash University in Melbourne. Kylie is a non-Indigenous ally of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, has a strong interest in cultural safety, and has played a lead role in developing best practice culturally safe podiatric professional standards. And our third speaker is Jodie Sizer. Jodie is an Aboriginal woman and part of the Framlingham community of Southwest Victoria, She is a co-founder and co-CEO 
of PwC Indigenous Consulting, or PIC for short. Jodie and her team at PIC are leading the delivery of the Moomoongak Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Cultural Safety Training at APRA. Jodie is the chairperson of the Australian Institute for Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander Studies, and was the inaugural Dadi Indigenous Business Leadership Award recipient in Victoria. So I'm going to invite each of our speakers to provide a short reflection on what the 26th of January means for them, how it links to cultural safety, and how broader Australia can support. We'll then have some questions for the panel before we close the event. So let me again welcome Associate Professor Shannon Springer and invite him to lead off with his perspective. Thank, thank you, Martin, and thanks for the introduction. Um, I guess, first of all, I'd like to acknowledge the traditional custodians and all the lands in which we're phoning in from today and pay my respect to elders past and present. Um, I'd like to thank APRA for their leadership in putting some something like this on. It's a great form and a great initiative, and I'd also I'd like to acknowledge my fellow panellists uh, today. So thank you all. I guess each year um, I'm asked what Australia Day means to me uh, and I wanted to answer that question a little bit differently this year by trying to connect you with the small part of my story as a, as a privileged black man that walks in both black and white worlds. Um, so as Martin said, uh, my background is I'm a GP I work in predominantly Aboriginal medical services, mainly at Charleville, uh, and I'm also an academic teaching at Griffith University. I predominantly teach medical students there, and I teach about Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander health and health outcomes. We teach about critical race theory and their relationship about how that operates to oppress Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples. We teach about cultural awareness and trying to develop people's continuum towards cultural safety. We also aim to increase the number of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander doctors. At the moment, we only represent 0.7% uh, of the doctor workforce. And I also try and seek to shift the attitudes of my fellow um, medical professionals um, about what they think they know about Aboriginal people um, and how to work with us rather than working on us. I also strive in my clinical practice to uh, provide my patients to receive um, health equity and access and delivering care and also trying to provide a care that's consistent with Aboriginal ways of knowing and being. So my professional life requires me to be quite adaptive um, and provide the best evidence-based care. Um, we all, it also requires me to develop educational opportunities that are transformative, but also at every step along the way, I have to make sure that I'm taking Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people with me along the way. So that's some of my professional role. In terms of my personal life that I'm, I'm happy to share, um, just recently I was having a conversation with my 11-year-old daughter who tells me that she doesn't want to share her ethnic background of being Aboriginal at her school and with her friends. And this is despite me being, you know, successful and being the best positive role model that I can be. Um, and I'm really amazed still in society that she sees nothing in society that supports her racial identity as a young Aboriginal girl. Uh, in my family, um, last year, um, we, we probably had eight funerals of people under the age of 60 who have passed away from all preventable um, diseases and illnesses. Um, in 
November last year, my grandmother received um, $16,000 as a part of the stolen wages settlement from the Queensland government. Um, so this is all still unfolding, um, you know, right now. Um, as an Aboriginal person, you know, living on the Gold Coast, I, I tend to proudly wear my shirts around. Um, this is a, an IHA shirt, shirt actually. Um, and nine times out of 10, I know that I'll be treated differently or um, challenged about, about the shirt um, and about um, my Aboriginality. So whether professionally or personally, life as a black person in this country is, has a different experience than our non-Indigenous counterparts. And even, you know, even for a life, um, even as a privileged person such as myself, it can be quite wearing. Uh, and the continual challenges to, to prove that I'm a legitimate doctor can be exhausting. Um, developing ways of teaching that allows for people's comfortability on their learning journey and not being the angry black person can be actually demanding. Um, and overcoming health service barriers and complex care is always challenging. Um, and dealing with the effects of racism, whether it be in my personal life or in my professional life is repetitive and really emotionally fatiguing. And I would experience at least uh, one of these emotional states every day of my life. And I think for most, most of the challenges that we face as Indigenous peoples are allowed to happen because we, de de we delegitimize the experiences like mine and that of you know, my peoples. So by the time Australia Day comes around, I feel like I've got to put on an extra coat of, of armor or, or another barrier because often I feel like Australia Day is exploited by, by often bigots that exercise a right to maintain the systems and attitudes and beliefs that give rise to a, a reality like my own. And I see, you know, it, I, I feel like it's my responsibility uh, both for the black and the white community to wear my Aboriginal shirts in public and agitate social conditioning. Um, and I, I, I don't, uh, January 26 is a good day to do all of those sorts of things. So those are my thoughts. Martin, I'll hand back to you. Thank you very much for those comments, Shannon. And I'll now invite Kylie to make some comments. Over to you, Kylie. Thank you. Um, I feel very privileged to be um, speaking today. Uh, the traditional owners of the land I'm speaking from today are the Bunamong and the Bunurong people from the Kulin Nation, and I pay my respects to past, present and emerging elders from um, all the different areas that people are phoning in today. January 26 is just a holiday. It's a public holiday to my family, and it's one, it's almost a place card holder. The kids are going back to school, um, but as a really strong advocate of uh, inclusion and equal voices at the table, the rights of a new tradition for some, for me, should never be at the cost of paying um, for another person. And I, I work a lot with um, with families of children who have disabilities and change is really hard and um, unpacking motivations for change and it is often one of the things that we do to, to I guess, self-reflect and it's something that I commonly do to have um, better dialogue and understand each other's stories. 
some of my learnings and I guess some of my perspectives come uh, and my unlearning come out of a journey of, I guess, this first-hand realisation of the full extent of injustice, particularly of Aboriginal people in Queensland. And I, I, I feel quite comfortable talking about it, but I do want to apologise if some of this um, does create pain for people and memories, or if this was part of your family history or your own history. Um, I grew up the granddaughter of missionaries and I've made peace with that. That's a whole other story. But um, my mum is one of those really lovely, beautiful people that you love to hate because she's just such a good person and she's got a really clean house. Um, but she had her formative um, childhood at Monomona Aboriginal Mission in Cairns. And I grew up with this really censored, whitewashed version of why my mum and her family were the only white people in all of these photos. And it commonly went along this line of we thought we were doing the right thing. And I can remember this really massive argument in my, in my family where my mum was packing everything up and I was kind of doing that brat teenage thing of you're packing away my childhood history and you're decluttering everything. And she sat me down and actually unpacked all of that and talked about um, the fact that she was actually going back to visit her childhood home that she had connected, reconnected with the aunties that she grew up with and talked about what actually really happened, which was a very different history than what I had as a young child and that she was sick of inaction and she wanted to return these. She wanted to say sorry and talk about what she could actually do moving forward. And for a 60-year-old woman, that was actually quite a, um, quite a big thing. Um, I can remember as a teenager, my brain breaking a little bit as I had this really censored version and this really non-censored uh, version that came about. And my mum really spent that time unpacking that good intentions can actually be quite selfish, that change is really hard and privilege um, has such a role in when things are really going your own way. And changing your mind really becomes about this authentic hearing sides, looking at your own motivations for your, your decisions and that saying sorry isn't actually a word, it's actually an action. And hearing that is something is um, something that I always have this debate with, I guess, friends and colleagues and my own children. Um, and the understanding for me that for some people, this relatively new traditions of the 26, it does hold meaning for some people. There's family holidays and gatherings, but it's actually the censored version of the 26. And for others, the 26 is actually this really non-censored version and a reminder um, of not holding a seat at a decision table and not even being invited to the table at all. So I guess as frustrating as my mum really is, I'm really grateful that she taught me eventually about some culturally safe behaviours in her own way and that I've got this opportunity to, I guess to influence um, my family and even if it's just my own children and their view of the world and that that's a privilege afforded to me by my education and a profession and I guess I'm coming from this real hopeful place that over the coming days and years we actually can take this genuine time to um, listen because inaction is so easy. It's, it's just really, really easy. Action's really hard and it's uncomfortable and a bit messy. Um, but taking that time to actually sit and listen makes that action to me just a little bit easier. Thanks very much, Kylie, for those comments. And I'll turn finally to, to Jodie. 
G'day, Martin. And um, thank you to my co-panelists. And can I too acknowledge the traditional owners from Wathorong country in particular, where I'm dialing in from today. Uh, thank you for the opportunity to the APRA community to share some reflections on, you know, personally about um, Australia Day, what it means to me. And it's hard for us to detach our, our many hats sometimes as, and I speak today largely as an Aboriginal woman and, but mindful of the, the important forum that we have today where we have a community of people who are charged with action and absolutely committed to a positive way forward. I think with that in mind, I did want to start by um, recognising that for the most part in, in my day job, I'm very much focused on creating uh, transformational change and searching for and building an evidence base to design solutions uh, to recognise both um, opportunities um, across many different sectors, but also to overcome much of the past injustice that our people had experienced for far too long. So for me on Australia Day, um, we do, I think in recognising some of the comments that Shannon made, what it does make me um, pause and take a moment to reflect on our role in celebrating a day that is in part really contradictory about um, celebrating a nation and a nation as, as one people, a nation that does not recognise the long way ahead that we do have in addressing those injustice. So for me, Australia Day really represents a day of action and a day in which we're reminded of the ongoing struggle. And I guess I move into my community activist mode in a way, because the whilst in every other day I am moving the shifting the dial in trying to improve action and change, I think that not always often enough are we reminded of the work to be done at, in my view, particularly a national level in what we do in our many, many areas and uh, many roles and many hats and organisations recognise the importance of moving forward. I don't believe that we have yet fully committed to uh, the fundamental change levers to make that change happen. And we'll see across the nation conversations about voice, treaty and truth. And I think one of those absolute fundamental levers is truth telling. Truth telling is important, I think, in the context for, you know, particularly here within our opera community, that if we are embarking on actualizing the commitment we have to improving the cultural safety of Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples across the whole profession, and we are committed to unlearning, to relearn, and engage ourselves as, you know, in our professions, as um, community members, as um, parents, as um, parents in school places, that are want to be agents of change, we do need to fully commit to the unlearning process. And until we dive deeper as a nation into the truth telling and owning the many roles, the many injustices, the much work that needs to be done, we're not going to be able to fully engage in a, a, a real truth telling process, a real truth telling process that will enable us to reset the relationship that we have between Australia and Australia's Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples, our first peoples. I think that's a very key characteristic of the movement forward. And whilst I'm 
coming in with with my activist mode on i know that in every piece of work i do on a day-to-day -day basis for every client that our firm is engaged with um, understanding our role and enabling our role is fundamentally based on those change levers to which truth telling is a key part we're really pleased to be able to bring forth a solution within ARPA that really does tackle that challenge for us as a leadership organization but I do stand in the, the marches as we do on, a, uh, many of us do on Australia Day to bring attention to the action that is further required and the struggle that has been. Thanks very much, Jodie. And thank you again to Jodie and to Shannon and to Kylie for some really thought provoking and challenging uh, reflections and perspectives on, on this on this 26th of January and, and what it means for us and how we need to think about it and think quite differently about it, I think. We've got some questions that came in prior to the session. I'm gonna just ask each of you one of the questions, which I hope picks up on a theme from uh, the comments that you've made. And I'm gonna start with you, Shannon. And I was really struck by the comment you made about your daughter not wanting people to know that she's an Aboriginal person. And we've got a question here about education and about what it is that we, you think that we can do to teach our children and educate the next generation very differently. So I'm just wondering if you'd like to make any comments about that. Yeah, thanks Martin. I think it's a really good question. And um, just, just you know, learning through my, my daughter's experience and the experience that I went through um, when I was at school, um, I, I think, um, I, I unpack that with my daughter in terms of, you know, what, why she feels like that. And, you know, the simple things that her school is not doing uh, are presenting any positive um, events or information around what it is, what it means to be Aboriginal. Um, so for example, something simple as NAIDOC Day, um, understanding um, the value adding stories um, that Aboriginal um, people bring to this to this country and the the, the point I want to make is that um, we well, I mean we as Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people have so much to contribute we, we have so much ways in terms of you know I, I have a health lens on everything um, about providing health care um, and we, we, we add value to, to, to lots of things and lots of uh, opportunities so I think, you know, for, for the wider Australian population, um, you know, yes, it would be great to have a day that we collectively come together. Um, but, you know, you only need to go along to a NAIDOC celebration or something like that to know, um, to, to know the strength of culture and how this can be written into Australia's narrative moving forward as a, as a collective identity. Um, and, and until that happens and it starts in the early school process, um, you know, we're, we're going to be faced with the, with the ongoing um, the stereotypes and people developing their subconscious biases that we have to confront and unlearn by the time they get to universities and whatnot. Thank you. And then Jody, you, you spoke very powerfully about the importance of truth telling uh, and, and changing, changing the unlearning was uh, the concept and, and really looking at things in very different ways. And we've got a question here about 
I suppose the sense of do you think the discussion around the 26th of January is changing and that there is more willingness to have truth telling around that date? Depends in the spaces you uh, you occupy. I think Martin, I was really pleased to hear, for example, Cricket Australia's um, taking leaning into their leadership role and asking um, their broadcasters and their team to to not reference it as Australia Day. And we see great um, pockets of leadership from you know Fremantle City Council and various others. But then I did hear on the radio yesterday that the Prime Minister was not supportive of that. So I think it's one of those things, you know, Martin, that I'm in the doing camp and I think where we can, um, where we see great change, it always comes from the ground up, which is why it's important for each individual to own their role, each organisation to own their role and certainly in ARPA in such a significant leadership role. I know that in these pockets there is change, there is a way to go, we're embarking, we've got to be brave and courageous to do that because it's not easy. It's really difficult creating change. And I can, I can make testament of that on the various boards and every organisation I've touched with. But um, I can see the desire for change, but we've just, we've got a way to go yet. Thank you, Jodie. And then finally, Kylie, to you. I mean, you told a very uh, personal story about, uh, you know, your own family and, and, and really your mother having to just think very differently. What's the sort of sense of the, something that you think we can do to counter and change those sort of, I'm going to call them racist views, really, um, in our society? Oh, geez. Um, it, it's almost these, have you had productive discussions question, and I would never call mine overly productive um, because I'm often known as the one that speaks first and action later. It, it's not hard to counter things by saying just it, that's, do you realise what you've said? Um, why are you saying that? Um, I guess some of mine is is more about um, as being an empower as much as I can, that, that these are stories and, um, and our history and how we can um, lift the voices of the many um, as much as I can I, in my profession. Um, people who are Indigenous or Torres Strait Islander have... Um, poorer foot health than um, other than white Australians and yet they are less likely to seek um, the services or even able to access a service. So one thing I guess my thing is turning up is 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 elevating the voices of anyone who I can if I have the position to do that. Um, it's not hard to push someone else forward um, when you have the position to be able to do that. Thanks very much, Kylie. Huge thanks to Jodie, to Shannon, to Kylie for being part of the panel today. Um, big thanks to Jade, George, Emily and the team uh, behind the scenes who have pulled this all together. And thank you all for your participation today. Thank you for listening to this special conversation as we reflect on what it means to unlearn and relearn and how we can best be culturally safe and promote change, especially around days of significance in our communities. Please continue to listen to Taking Care. We have lots of episodes in our back catalogue and you can always get the latest by subscribing in your favourite podcast player. Just search for Taking Care. If you'd like to get in touch, ask a question or provide feedback, please email us at communications at See you next time.